Hi everybody, and welcome back to Lost Genre Reddit Stories. This post is from the subreddit Relationships, and it's by user Taway190, me 26 male with lady I'm dating 24 female for 3 weeks. Her most recent ex drunk dialed me, and we ended up having a heart to heart to help him move on. She's really angry with me. This is an odd one. I met Jay at my friend's party a month back. We hit it off from introductions. She's cute, smart and funny and we exchanged numbers. Due to work and other commitments, we've actually only had about 4 dates, but we've been texting and talking constantly. Now, Jay was in a relationship with R for about a year and a half and broke up about 2 months before meeting me. From what Jay told me, the breakup was her idea as R refused to work on the issues they had been having. Last Friday, I met up with Jay and a few of her friends at a bar, but I left early to help my roommate with an emergency. Post-emergency, my roommate and I had a drink since it was too late for me to go back to the bar. This was around 1am. That's when I got a call from R. He introduced himself as R, the guy who's in love with Jay. Now, I must say, I don't know why I had a conversation with this guy, but I did. I'm a mellow drunk and that night I was feeling extra mellow. Our conversation went on for an hour. He started off with some random threats, then some begging, then some weird non-secutors about his life. I couldn't get a word in edgewise, so I just let him talk himself out. After he was done, I gave him a long spiel about unrequited love and how harmful it is, the benefits of moving on and related some tales of my own experiences with breakups. By the end of the conversation, I told him he should go no contact with her and work on himself. It ended on a positive note. The next morning, I got a text from him thanking me for helping him out and wishing me the best of luck with Jay. Turns out, he sent the same text to Jay and I got a call from her basically going what the f? My explanation of the situation didn't seem to please her because she has been extremely curt with me since then. I did apologize for getting involved in her and her ex's business, but I don't feel all that bad about it. I don't think I overstepped my boundaries considering that he was the one who called me. Maybe talking an ex into moving on is a weird thing for a potential boyfriend to do, but I also don't see the big deal with it. I'll be meeting Jay later today for the first time since this drama happened and I need to figure out what exactly to say to her because I'm quite confused right now. A little bit more about Jay and R. They dated for a year and a half. According to Jay, she had fallen out of love with him at least two months before breaking up. Every time she brought up the topic, he would promise to change but not do anything. And this went on till she had enough and broke up. R supposedly has drunk dialed her a couple of times looking to get back together and has also supposedly been in touch with her close friends as well. She has completely ignored him and has blocked him on all her social media. I really like Jay, the chemistry is really great and I can see this developing into something serious. Any help would be appreciated. Okay, OP, I get that you were trying to help this guy out because, well, you were mellowed out, but it also sounds like this guy is definitely not over Jay and is actively willing to still be in her life despite Jay wanting the opposite. So I can understand she would be pissed if the guy she's now starting to date is kind of becoming friends quote unquote 
with the ex that she doesn't want to see ever again. I mean, this guy introduced himself as R, the guy who's in love with J. Started threatening you, then begging, and then talking about himself. And I have to say, the fact that you say that you talked him into moving on and he accepted it is like a one in a million shot, I think. There are reasons why she doesn't want him in her life, and I think you should respect that. Personally, I think that R should have moved on after having these types of conversations with his friends, not the guy his ex is currently dating. That's just weird, in my opinion. And what do you guys think? What would you have done if you had been in OP's shoes and the ex calls you? Let me know in the comments section, and now let's move on to the community comments to see what they said. Life Fantastic says, The thing is, if he's bothering her to the point where she's blocked him on everything, you talking to the guy, at least in her mind, is you opening a doorway to her ex into her life. As another poster has said, he likely does this to other people in her life. Not only does she probably see this interaction as butting into her past, but she also might be afraid that he'll use his interactions with you to try to bother her again. I would explain that her ex called you and you were unsure what to do other than listen to him ramble. Apologize for entertaining someone who has been bothering her and ask her what you should do if her ex attempts contact with you again. I got lost in Zork says, I spent four years of my life dealing with a stalker. And I'm not calling the ex-boyfriend a stalker, but I definitely feel like he has some of the same unhealthy attitudes that my stalker had. My stalker would love to talk about me with our mutual friends, or really anyone that would listen. The friends were on my side telling him that he should let things go and move on, but it never got through to him. I firmly believe that talking with them was just adding fuel to his unhealthy obsession with me. It was enabling him to spend more time thinking about me, hearing about other people's perspectives regarding me, etc. The stalking only stopped after I cut all contact with the mutual friends too. I was also really uncomfortable whenever I heard from these mutual friends that they'd been talking about me. I wanted to cut the stalker out of my life and it felt kind of violating, inappropriate, to hear they'd been discussing me. Please try to understand where I'm coming from and where your girlfriend may be coming from. This comparison really jumped out to me when I read your post and I truly believe that your conversation is encouraging him not to move on despite how much he may act like it is. Flu Plays Games says, She's gone no contact with him and cut him out of her life. You've helped him reach that barrier by talking to him about their relationship. As others have said in the thread, he can't have a relationship with her, so he's trying to build relationships with her friends so he can still be a part of her social circle and therefore part of her life. I'm sure your intentions were good, but you've rather ignorantly done what you think was best for you and the ex rather than ask your girlfriend what she wants and what's best for her. It's her ex. It sounds like she's already dealing with it and you should trust her and respect her choices. You've gone behind her back and talked about her relationship with the person she's chosen to cut out of her life. Alright, well, I think OP got some pretty solid advice and insight, and he didn't respond to any comments or give us an edit. So let's just jump straight into the update and see how this story ends. Thanks for all your messages, folks. Got to hear a lot of perspectives and had a chance to introspect before I met up with Jay. I met her later that day and we've been keeping each other company since then. So suffice to say, we worked things out and it went better than expected. But you guys want details, so here goes. First, to clear up some misconceptions. 1. How did he get your number? My number is pretty public. I handle the volunteer program at my workplace, so my name and number is an easy Google away. 
I felt no need to get separate public and work numbers yet, but it seems like a stupid move not to. Two, why would you entertain an ex who has violated no contact rules before? I plead ignorance. The details I put in the last paragraph of my previous post are things I found out after the fateful drunken conversation. When I got the call, all I knew was that there was an ex. They were together for a year and a half and broken up two months ago. All the comments about stalker exes made me feel like a piece of crap. I've been around the block a few times and I also have three older sisters with a whole gamut of exes. I really should have known better than to indulge an ex like that. The only thing I can say in my defense is that I've had interactions with exes that were basically empty threats in both directions and some screwed up part of me wanted to handle this one in a more mature manner. But the way I ended up handling it was actually quite a whole lot dumber. Just don't do it, folks. Now, here's Jay's perspective. Firstly, she doesn't consider R to be a stalker ex, but more of a having difficulty moving on ex. Her no contact rule is her regular modus operandi when it comes to breakups, as it helps her move on as well. R violated that twice in the two months after their breakup, which she found to be understandable. And as for contacting other friends, it turns out that it's more like a friend, a girl called L, who was the one that introduced J to R. And it's been indulging R ever since the breakup and hasn't really respected J's wishes for no contact. The J and L relationship deserves its own r slash relationships post. And honestly, I understood very little of it. So yes, I got lucky that he's not a stalker ex, at least from her perspective. And no, it doesn't mean I'll be indulging an ex ever again. Jay's anger at me has multiple layers to it. Some of it was the transference of her annoyance at Elle, which she apologized for unconditionally. Some of it was due to the sheer what the f-ness of her ex talking to her current boo. And a lot of it was also due to the preceding events. You see, the night of the phone call when I'd gone to meet her at the bar was the first time she was introducing me to her closest friends, which was a big deal for her, as it is for most people, I believe. I was there for less than an hour before leaving to help my roommate. I did this without much explanation. So from her perspective, she was taking the major step of introducing the new guy to her friends and the guy evs off to meet up someone else and gets delayed enough to not meet her afterward. And the next thing she knows is that he's having a drunken heart to heart with her ex. I explained the personal nature of my roommate's problem and that it was not something I was comfortable with sharing without his permission, but I could have and should have explained a bit, which is something I apologized for. She also apologized for not explaining that that night was a big deal for her. We really worked on our communication because we really needed to. And of course we talked about that call. I apologized unreservedly for my role in that. She apologized for having a dumb ex who would call up like that. Not that she needed to, as I told her. She did admire my attempt at maturity, but she's not sure if it helped or hindered me. I said that it didn't matter what the result of that was. It was unequivocally a nonsensical move. Our conversation went way better than I anticipated. Part of me was sure she would dump me for being an idiot and part of me wanted to dump her for lashing out at me for what I saw as no fault of my own. Fortunately, she was understanding of my perspective while I was understanding of hers. The conversation started at dinner and carried on at my place and was a way better heart to heart than the previous one I was a part of. 
As I mentioned before, we haven't left each other's sides since that night and I'm deliriously happy. We connected way better than I had hoped for. This girl is something special and even at this extremely early point in this topsy-turvy relationship, I'm looking very, very hopefully into the future. Plus, she seems to like me even with the boneheadedness I've already displayed. I can be a stubborn ass, but your varied perspectives help me immensely. Also, there's been no further contact from R to either of us. Now, I'd like to think I've been doing the right thing, but there are always varying degrees of right. Honestly, it helped me to hear some people shout at me a bit because I was essentially on the defensive throughout the whole thing. The advantage of crowdsourcing advice is that you get to hear things your head isn't providing for you. Also, the worst case scenarios, including personal experiences of people with stalker exes, helped in putting things in a lot of perspectives. All that to say, thank you so much to everyone who commented. And communication for the win once again. I'm gonna count this as a happy update OP. Awesome that you guys were able to talk it out, understand each other's perspectives and grow closer together. Now OP does have one more post in his profile that has nothing to do with this topic, but it does tell us that it's been eight months since he's been dating Jay. So at least we know that this relationship has moved forward. Anyways, thank you so much for sharing OP and all the best to you and Jay in the future. Take care. And now let's move on to the next post. This post is from the subreddit Malicious Compliance and it's by user NYGibbs, tenant asking landlord me to be more professional. I'm a small time landlord with just four tenants. Earlier this year, I had two sisters that didn't respond to my requests to add the gal's husband on the lease, though he was living with them. Not a big deal, but did I mention the pit bull they also brought home without permission? I do allow pets and had previously approved their other dog. I've asked nicely in person and by email in the months leading up to the malicious compliance. They also did not respond when I asked if they were happy there and wanted to renew their lease for the following year. I asked again, then I emailed them notice that I would start showing the unit two days later. I try to be a nice landlord, I do. They had a newborn as well, so I scheduled all the showings within a two hour window on the same night so I could be in their space as little as possible. Also, because they had not responded and it was now serious crunch time for getting another tenant and my spouse worked all the following two weeks during the evening's showing hours, I had the delightful inconvenience of bringing my two and six year old children with me to the showings. Because I am not a corporation, I'm a small-time family landlord with kids. Try to imagine how difficult it is to conduct business meetings with two kids, right? Then imagine staggering showings every 15 minutes with prospective tenants who are also bringing their own kids. Just to further clutter your imagination, this is an 800 square foot two-bedroom apartment with a cozy entryway. So I arrive with my two kids to find my tenants are still at home along with the husband, the newborn and the other sister's boyfriend. So that's seven people in a small kitchen already. Then the first prospective tenants start arriving. Husbands, wives, kids and some show up early so there are two sets of them. That's 14 people in a small kitchen. And I'm a mom, I have magical powers. So I'm holding my toddler, my daughter is safely under the dining table coloring and I'm chatting with the prospective tenants and directing traffic while my actual tenants prepare to depart. 
If you didn't know this already, it's common practice in the US to leave the premises during apartment showings. This was their first apartment, so I actually emailed them ahead of time to let them know what is generally expected at showings, e.g. a relatively tidy apartment and that they can leave for their own convenience. They do eventually leave after the boyfriend tells a prospective tenant that he, in fact, also lives there. And I carry on with the exhausting scheduling of showings and have my new tenants all picked out and the lease signed by the next day. Awesome, right? The next night I get a voicemail from the husband who is not my tenant. I saved it and just listened to it again because it still gives me the same delightful shiver of malicious compliance. In his voicemail, he told me how awful it was that my children touched his infant's things. They didn't because I keep my children entertained with magical mommy toys. But prospective tenants also brought children. And how they had to sterilize everything to keep their infant from being sick. And how inconvenient it was to have showings with only two days notice. And how very unprofessional I was to bring my children and asked if I could just be more professional in the future. You can hear it, can't you? The deep shiver of malicious compliance vibrating through my offended being. The next morning, I started issuing professional lease violation notices. One for the extra residents of the unit, hubby and boyfriend, one for the extra dog, and a few additional ones for building concerns I noted during the showings. They ignored the violation notice, which I sent by certified mail and thoughtfully also by email. I decided to be even more professional 30 days later and issue a 5-day notice to vacate. And I called their mom who is their emergency contact as an eviction notice is an emergency. Did I mention that their lease was due to end just a few weeks later? But it would be unprofessional of me to let these violations slide until then. Three days later, they'd magically sent me all the information I'd requested, removed the other dog, licensed the first dog, gotten the required pet insurance, they moved out on their lease termination date and skipped out on their last electric bill and left the unit in damaged condition. Despite my professional security deposit disposition statement and request for payment, they ignored those notices until I stated I would proceed to small claims court by X date for the total due beyond their security deposit. On X date, they replied stating they didn't think it was fair that they should have to cover damages to the unit or pay any more money toward their utility bill. Yep, two months later, there we were in the lobby of the courthouse sitting across from each other on uncomfortable waiting room benches. They're laughing among themselves about how they're going to get their full security deposit back and I'm quietly reviewing my presentation notes to the judge and my sizable stack of evidence, photographs and videos. This was my first time in court but I wasn't laughing, I was preparing. One hour later, we're back in the lobby and their mom is trying to write me a check for the full amount of the judgment. She doesn't have a pen. Her kids don't have a pen. I, however, have a pen. I cheerfully offer my pen. She writes the check and hands it to me. And wait, I hold my hand out again, got my pen back too. I was so proud of myself for not saying any of the sassy things in my head at that moment. You know why? Because I was being professional as I'd been from the moment he'd left that voicemail. As a last note, I do acknowledge that it would have been better if I hadn't brought my children. However, if you have kids, you'll understand that sometimes they simply have to go where you go. Well, OP, they requested professional. They got absolutely professional OP. Good for you. Thank you for sharing. And it's that time that we've reached the end of the video. I hope you enjoyed today's stories. I really did enjoy reading them to you. 
So if you did, then don't be shy and go ahead and give the video a like. And don't forget to subscribe or even share this video with people that you might think will enjoy my storytelling. Also, if you have the time, go down to the video description and check out all the links I have for you, from our Discord community to my channel merch. And finally, I'd like to say thank you for watching. It really means a lot to me that you enjoy my videos. And having said all that, I'll see you guys in the next video.